2: Welcome to Fantasy Football Today, everybody. It is Tuesday as we record this. You are hearing this on a Wednesday morning or Wednesday afternoon or maybe three weeks in, uh, three weeks later. Who knows when you're listening? But we're here to talk about our favorite wide receivers to target after round 10. And as we look back at our Fantasy Football Today league from last year, Heath, Dave, are you guys ready to hear the wide receivers who were drafted in round 11 or later?
0: Yes. Justin
1: Jefferson.
2: I don't know. I'm sure I don't I, think he made it that no, far. No, I took him earlier than that. And then I dropped him for uh, that Peyton bomb Barber. Peyton Barber.
0: Thanks, Steve. Yeah. I was trying to block You're it out. You're welcome. I'm happy to remind <laughs> you of that. And that's going to be a talking point a little later on in today's show as well. Okay, here we go. Maybe, maybe really soon.
2: The wide receivers drafted around 11 or later from our 12-team PPR, three-receiver in a flex league from last year. Deshaun Jackson, Paris Campbell, Nikhil Harry, Alan Lazard, Emmanuel Sanders, James Washington, John Brown, Brandon Ayuk, Jalen Rager, Golden Tate, and Russell Gage, and Hunter Renfro, and Sammy Watkins. And oh Justin Jefferson. I took Justin Jefferson in round 15. Oh, I thought it was way earlier. Me than too. That. The pick of the draft, Michael Pittman. Uh, yeah, mostly, mostly guys who were dropped, including Justin Jefferson.
0: So I counted three receivers that ended up being worth a darn that were taken who? in round 11 or later. I, I counted John Brown among them. Yeah. Jefferson was among them. And Ayuk was the third. I don't think Lazard qualifies. I think a lot of those receivers were either dumped after the second or third week of the season, or they were too sporadic. Uh, in terms of giving good fantasy production to be useful on a uh, week-to-week basis
2: so we famously know about the drop of justin jefferson for peyton barber after week two what about brandon Ayuk? did he get dropped? i believe
0: he was also dropped and picked up okay
1: all right i'll take a look Keith,
0: how you doing over there very quiet today
1: Yeah, I was uh, just really um, absorbing that list of wide receivers and trying to spin that into um, a a reason why these top five wide receivers we're getting ready to give outside of round 10 are going to be much better (laughs) than those guys because we're going to talk about guys that matter for fantasy.
0: Okay, so here's the point that I wanted to make (laughs) about Justin Jefferson is that when you're drafting any receiver in round 11 plus and maybe more like round nine plus you've got to decide and maybe you do this with every player you draft but why why am i drafting this guy am i drafting him because i think he's going to pay off dividends right away and if that's the case then why is he lasting that late into the draft or am i drafting this guy because i think he'll pay dividends fairly soon and i'm willing to wait for it but if you can't answer either of those things to the question of why with any of these wide receivers then maybe you shouldn't be drafting them
1: all right, Adam. I have a question. Uh, yeah, yeah. You still have those draft results
2: pulled up? I actually don't, because now I'm looking at the transaction transaction page, but I can.
0: Oh, he's trying to see. He's trying I, to find out what that Ayuk was dropped. The Brandon Ayuk journey to make his is, to make his fun. Jefferson drop better.
2: Now the the well the Brandon Ayuk journey is is a fun one if you'd like to go on it. Heath, what would you like? Would would you rather play the the IU game or the drafters? Tell us the
1: IU game.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. IU, the IU.
2: same night that I dropped Justin Jefferson for Peyton Barber after week two, Heath dropped Brandon Ayuk for Mike Williams. Two days later, Ayuk cleared waivers and was signed by Marone, and then dropped the next day for Danny Amendola. And oh. it was not until another week when Ayuk was added by Ben Gretch for one dollar who dropped Darrington Evans, and Ben then kept Ayuk for the rest of the season on September 23rd. So Heath and I dropped Ayuk and Jefferson on the same day. How about
0: that? Was What week was Ayuk picked up? After week week three. And that was right. Kittle was hurt at that point. That's when Kittle got hurt, I guess. Yeah, Nice move by Ben Gretch. Yeah,
2: way to go, Gretchy. Um, Everybody
0: was playing hot potato. Ayuk
2: had five catches for 70 yards on eight targets at the Giants in week three. I think that's when Kittle was hurt.
1: Okay, so listen, hey, hey, did you, was there something else you wanted to? Uh, well, I was just looking at like the top twenty-five wide receivers from last year. I guess like Chase Claypool just wasn't drafted.
2: Um, I don't know. Let me. He might not have been. Let me check.
0: Any other? He, he's checking.
2: Any other um, brain busters?
0: Any other way? <laughs> brain busters. <laughs> that's
2: it's a. Uh, oh, Madison. that's Billy Madison. Yeah, that's look, Dave. Look. My shirt. Oh, you're Rurudo. <laughs> Any other brain busters? All right, Chase Claypool was drafted in round 13. Did I skip over him?
0: I'm you sorry. I think you did. I did. Because I would have counted him for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I
2: wonder who else you skipped over. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone else. No, I'm sorry about that. When was, I did, was I did Curtis Samuel
0: thing. drafted? Uh, no.
2: Okay. Hey, listen, I've got something more fun. Was Devontae Adams drafted? <laughs> I got a game for us to play, and this is my unofficial game show music till I find something better. We're going to play Name That Wide Receiver Drafted After Round 10. Okay? Here we go. Let's name that player, but only wide receivers who are currently being drafted after round 10, according to NFC ADP in the month of June. Okay, I scored double-digit PPR fantasy points in four of my last five games and caught three touchdowns in those five games. I have caught... T.Y. Hilton? H- no. I okay. have caught... Well, maybe, but <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, my <gosh. laughs> I have caught two-thirds of my targets two straight seasons. My draft value could be tough to... Oh, what's the word I'm looking for?
0: Oh, here's a clue. Gage.
2: Right? That's the word
1: I'm looking for. Russell, Russell
0: Gage.
2: Russell Gage. Gage! Yes, there you go. Who won that round?
1: Me. I said Gage. You said Gage. They said Gage. I told you the word you were looking for. I said
0: Russell Gage. Yeah, I, I said you'd,
2: Russell you'd Gage too. No, Heath said it before you. I'm giving that one to Heath. Congratulations.
0: I thought you didn't like Heath, and that's why I always <laughs> won these games when it was me versus Heath. Well, there's two Now more you're round. changing the rules.
2: There are two
1: more rounds, Dave, for you to win.
2: Yes, Russell just no, figure,
1: no. no. Hilton did score double-digit touchdowns in four of his last five games. Double-digit touchdowns in four of the ten double-digit touchdowns fantasy or more? points. Oh, okay,
0: okay. <laughs> okay.
2: Heath, so you definitely get the point. But but Russell Gage did as well, and uh, Julio Jones missed most of that. If, I don't think all, but most of that time. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, what do you guys think about Russell Gage after round ten?
0: In full PPR, I dig it. But he's the type of receiver, when, when you ask why you're drafting him, it's because you're hoping that that target volume stays where it was and that you can squeeze out 12 PPR points per week. I don't see a path to him becoming the number one target in this offense. I don't see him becoming a top 20 fantasy receiver. He's like a number three reception-based receiver that you'll take with a late pick. Not exciting. You're padding your bench depth.
2: Okay. Next up. Wide receiver drafted after round 10, current ADP. According to Wikipedia... Russell Gage. I, <laughs> according to Wikipedia, I was born May 9th, 1800 in Connecticut. I have two 1,000-yard seasons on John my John Brown. Yes, yes, Heath. Good job. Historical reference to John Brown. Uh, I have two 1,000-yard seasons. I might very well be the number one wide receiver on my team. I am on my fourth team in my eight-year NFL career. And then there's this, which I think is interesting. My new team, the Raiders, ranked 10th in scoring, 8th in total yards, and 11th in passing touchdowns in 2021. So that's interesting for him to maybe be the number one wide receiver. Heath, who would you rather have? Obviously not the number one target, but wide receiver on the team. Who would you rather have, John Brown or Russell Gage?
1: I think I still have Russell Gage ranked higher. It's The thing that... With my projections and the Raiders' wide receivers that makes it difficult, and I talked about this, I think, earlier in the week, they throw to their receivers less than any other team um, over the last two or three seasons. And I don't feel like we have a good grip on who's going to dominate targets. Nelson Aguilar did what he did in such a quirky, unsustainable way that it's hard to say, well, he could be Nelson Aguilar. We wouldn't expect anyone to be Nelson Aguilar. He had like 85 targets or something. Um, so I just don't draft any Raiders wide receivers.
0: Okay. Dave Gage or, or Brown? I believe I have Brown ranked higher. It's something I think I need to change because if I'm answering the question to why with John Brown, why would I draft him? Well, he's a boomer bust type of flex or bye week replacement. He, I, I think he's got a higher ceiling if he can stay healthy compared to Russell Gage, but Gage has the safer floor. And when it's that late, uh, I can find other receivers that I'm more excited about to draft than John Brown for upside purposes. Would you rather so, draft Ruggs or Brown? I've got Brown for now, but a really, really good training camp from Henry Ruggs will flip that. Heath, I,
2: I want to talk about Aguilar, though, as it relates to Brown, because you could look at the bye week as kind of a, of a first, first first half, not half, but first segment of games versus second. And after the bye week, that's 11 games, he had 71 targets. So he was on pace for 103 targets, 1,000 yards, 7 touchdowns. So does that do anything for you? Because really, when you look at his total targets, 82 in 16 games, he was basically, I mean, 1-1-3-4-2 in his first five games. And then
1: better, but I mean,
2: it took a little while that, for consistency, but better after that.
1: There there were some long catches, or some long, yeah, some, some big plays, but after that his catches go five zero two one six five four five four five one
2: right they, they he got more consistent as the year went on is that fair to say
1: yeah he yeah, had a stretch I mean, of six straight games week 13 he had four catches for 38 yards week 15 he had four for 49 week 17 he had one for 57.
2: It doesn't change the fact that he got more consistent as the year went on.
1: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I don't know. I think he was consistently bad early in the year. Well, like, very uninvolved. really
2: good games. The targets were more consistent,
1: I guess, is how I should have said it.
2: Yes,
0: that's that's true.
2: All right. Uh, last one. Heath's already won. So, Heath, you can sit this one out if you want. It's
0: BS. I no. got the first one.
2: I was the... All right. You know what? I, I'll i buy that. Let's put Thank some, you.
0: Put oh, some stakes that's on this. So typical. <laughs> I much, was... That's how this. these games are always played, Heath. You're always behind the eight ball. I was
2: the number 33 wide receiver in non-PPR and number 27 in PPR last year, yet my ADP is in the 50s right now.
0: Marvin I, Jones.
2: I was one of 19 wide receivers with 80 or more catches. Of those, did you hear me say Marvin Jones? It's not Marvin Jones. Oh. Yes, I did hear you. Of those 19 players who had 80 or more catches, only Robbie Anderson and Cooper Cup caught fewer touchdowns than I'd... Hey, Heath! Probably cheated, so
1: I feel like I have to give it to Dave. I, but no. What do you mean? <laughs> I would like... I I think after I get the third one, now I get the clean sweep. I agree. Like, I understand you, you wanted to make it competitive, but now I clearly won all three.
2: My last clue was, bad children get a lump of me in their stocking. So... Sorry, I didn't get to that one. I get it. <laughs> Cole, yeah, Cole Beasley, who, by the way, in seven games without John Brown, had 58 targets. In seven games with John Brown, 74%, or sorry, uh, 70, uh, sorry, 42 yeah. targets. There we go. Um, and then there was one game where John Brown played like half the snaps, and Beasley had seven targets. But did get more targets when John Brown was not playing, It's the bottom line. Um, yeah, Be- all right, now Beasley, Gage, Brown. Where does Beasley rank?
0: He should rank behind Gage. Why? And, and Why, ahead though? of Brown. Well, th- th- there's a couple of factors that we year. probably aren't really ready to talk about. Let's assume that he makes the team. We do expect Gabriel Davis to be a popular receiver, and we think that he's gonna see a target jump. And Emmanuel Sanders is there and he can do a lot of the same things that Cole Beasley has been doing. So yeah, I don't think we have to I don't
1: think we have to gloss over that. Ab- about the, really? the vaccine? Yeah.
0: We're not even I mean, I, I'm wondering if Cole Beasley's going to play this year. yeah. I mean Why, it, wait. It I would know seem he's weird gonna... if he's singled out for it, that I, would seem weird because there's there are plenty of players in the NFL yeah. who've made the decision to not get vaccinated. There's no problem with that decision, but he
1: has he's had a long rant about not wanting to follow different protocols than vaccinated players,
0: and the team has to decide whether or not they and every team has to do this, whether you're comfortable with this or not. Every team has to decide which players they're okay with not being vaccinated.
1: They cannot cut him because he won't get vaccinated. I don't think they
0: could. They can't. No, they can
1: can cut him if he refuses to get tested daily.
0: Oh, I suppose they could, yeah. If he does that, then he might surrender his salary. He will not get paid. Um, Regardless, Like even if that whole
1: thing's silly, he is at a much higher risk of missing games than a player that gets vaccinated because he has to get tested every day and they don't.
2: All right, that's fine, but if you if you wanted to throw that out um, and just evaluate them as players on I would though.
0: have Beasley slightly ahead of Gage if that was the case. Yeah, I'll put him behind Gage. I think there's more competition for targets with Davis ascending and Emmanuel Sanders there.
1: You have Beasley behind you have Davis ahead of all both of them? Yes.
2: All right. You're two breakout baby. I like it. Uh you can listen to Fantasy Football Today on your smart speakers. Simply say, Alexa, play the latest episode of the Fantasy Football Today podcast. Or you can say, hey, Google, play the latest episode of the Fantasy Football Today podcast. If you have Alexa, don't say the Google thing. Say the Alexa thing. Uh, Let's do some quick news and notes. Tyler Croft could be the Jets' starting tight end, according to the New York Post. Oh, can't wait to draft him. Does that even interest you in a tight end premium league? Might be
0: one of my last two picks in the fishbowl. Maybe. Okay. Joe Mixon will have the
2: biggest workload of his career, according to The Athletic. Not really a huge shock. That was just some speculation by the, by the beat writer who just said he's going to have more of a role in the passing game. <clears throat> he had a massive workload last year. Uh, so, you know, should be a big l- workload. Miko Hardman has made big improvements according to The Athletic. And this is a guy that we will talk about. I believe he's on Heath's list of top... F- yes. Five favorites after round 10. And uh, Demarius Thomas retired. Fantastic wide receiver from two thousand twelve to two thousand sixteen. This is where he finished in PPR. Fifth, first, second, ninth, and fifteenth. That was quite a dynasty run if you had Demarius Thomas for those mm-hmm.
1: years. All and right. he's responsible for like five years of people thinking that Tim Tebow could maybe be a quarterback.
2: <laughs> oh, well, that's another another feather in his cap. That'll <laughs> be on accomplishment. his if he makes the Hall of Fame, that'll be on the bust. Okay, we will uh, take a quick break, and when we come back, Heath's list, Dave's list, the top five wide receivers after round 10. We'll be right back.
1: From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there
0: anyone stronger?
1: No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming
0: only on Paramount+. Plus.
2: Yes! T.Y. Hilton, in his last six games, was a top 12 wide receiver. In fact, he was 6th in non-PPR and 11th in PPR. Even better than Russell Gage,
1: as we learned from earlier. did you today. know he had double-digit <laughs> fantasy points in four of his final five games?
2: Nobody knew that. That's just a wild stat. <laughs> um, yeah, he's, I think, 31 this year. In fact, the first two on your list, T.Y. Hilton and Marvin Jones, I believe. Um, Hilton might be 30 this year. Jones will be 31 why is thirty one okay, so yeah why don't you why don't you talk about uh, go ahead start with Hilton Heath and he's number one on your list of wide receivers after round ten
1: yeah, I think Marvin Jones has been on this list every year that I've been employed at CBS so um we don't nice. have to talk too much about him but, <laughs> but we do GY, GY the Hilton, situation's
2: just, different though I think what, this year right what's that the situation's different
1: for Jones um maybe i yeah i I think Hilton. Is one of those guys that falls because he's old and he's not particularly exciting and people can look at his stats page and say, oh, look, he's getting worse every year. He's not good anymore. And that could be true. But round 11 or 12 is a fine place to find out because I still think it's the most likely outcome that he leads the Colts and targets. I've got he and Michael Pittman back-to-back. I understand if you see Pittman's youth and you want to draft Pittman first, you can do that. You can draft him two rounds earlier or three rounds earlier and then wait for T.Y. Hilton. What do you think about pairing them? A little friendship. I think it's it's a fine friendship strategy if you want to use two picks. Like It just depends on how you've constructed your roster. A lot of times by the time I get to round nine – I've already got three or four wide receivers. I don't necessarily want to use nine and 11 on two more wide receivers. But yeah, on a team where I'm running back heavy and I've got a good tight end and a good quarterback, I I don't hate that at all.
0: What if Pittman's your number three receiver and you can get Hilton and then you lock up? I know this might not sound pretty to people in Philadelphia, but you should have the top target in Carson Wentz's passing game. Assuming Zach Ertz doesn't get traded there. Sure. And if he, well, all right, we'll deal with that. And whoever that guy is, that's your third receiver. It's not a bad way to go. Ty's on my list too. All
2: right. How about Marvin Jones? Because the situation has changed, obviously. New team for you know everybody. I everybody knows. I I consider Marvin Jones. Well, maybe not everybody knows this. The most maddeningly inconsistent player in fantasy who inspired me to compile started fantasy points, which became the most annoying project in the world, and I gave up on it. But in reality, Marvin Jones on a season long basis has been basically the most consistent wide receiver he is on pace in the last like five years every year it's like around 65 75 catches i don't know 10 thousand fifty yards it's like 110 targets it's every single year no it's i over uh, too many yards like 900 Mm. 950 yards yeah maybe about a thousand um every year on pace for 103 to 115 targets on pace for 903 to 992 yards in four of six seasons on pace for nine touchdowns in four straight seasons, uh, or four of his last five seasons. So he actually
1: scored nine touchdowns in three three of his last last four. four. Yeah, exactly. Nine.
2: Right. Exactly. So, um, yeah. Okay. Anyway, that's what he's done. And he, he always finishes as like a high end number three or a low end number two wide receiver. Basically. Is that why you like him here? Do you think he can do this
1: again? I think he can, and I don't think we know yet who the number one wide receiver in Jacksonville is going to be. I suspect it will be D.J. Chark, and LaVisca Chenault certainly is getting getting some praise from the coaching staff. But they don't sound like they're really very pleased with, with Chark at this point, or they weren't pleased with what they saw on film from him last year. And Marvin Jones is a pro's pro and a very, very good number two wide receiver. In terms of NFL, I think he'll probably be a borderline number three in fantasy once again.
0: I don't know if it means anything, but in his last 11 games last year, he averaged 17.1 PPR points per game. That's when he was effectively the number one receiver for the Detroit Lions. That's pretty nice. I, I, I think there's a chance that he could end up being the top target in Jacksonville's offense. We're all gaga for LaVisca, and we know that DJ Chark has big play potential but this is an offense that's got a really nice quarterback who should settle in quickly. And he might gravitate toward the most reliable receiver in terms of route running, in terms of hands. And I think Jones is it. So to get him and to take the chance on him with a late pick to be a number three receiver for your team, where he finished 26th in PPR points per game last year, I I don't think it's a bad risk to take at all. I'm I'm happy to get him. Uh, I'm happy to have him at the top of my list for bench wide receivers. He, he is a whole lot of fun in best ball because mm-hmm. he's going to have a sure week or two
1: where he just crushes the entire NFL. Um, he probably, I was just trying to compile, I think he has at least one 28 point game each of the past five seasons.
0: <laughs> he had three over 25
1: last year. Um, I mean, he had the four touchdown game in 2019. He had a 30 point game in 2018, even though he only played nine games. Like he, he all, every year, he has a couple, maybe three just absolute monster games. And that means yeah. that he also, like he's a poor man's Tyler Lockett.
0: But, mm, but I will, you don't really think of him like Tyler Lockett in terms of style of play. I'm now. just saying, looking at the stat sheet. Right. Because he's got a lot of high point games, some smash weeks, and then he's got a lot of duds. Except when his season is over. Like When this season's over, if he has 65 catches for 900 yards and six touchdowns, he'll say, yeah, I would expect that from Marvin Jones. But if Lockett finished with that, I think he'd be disappointed.
2: Right, yeah. And I just want to point out, though, he played four games with Kenny Galladay. He had 80 yards against the Falcons, and he had a combined 68 yards in the other three games.
1: So, Do you know how many games he's going to play with Kenny Galladay this year?
2: Well, but the point is, he was the alpha guy. You know, you, I think you've made that. You've said we don't know who the number I one think there's wide a chance receiver that he is. Could
0: still be the alpha guy. Well, that's I know no in. one wants that's to admit it, but I think there's a chance.
2: Okay. Uh, next up, we have. Now is this a guy who shows up on both lists here? The, yes. So actually, oh, all three of these guys show up on both lists. I'm sorry. Dave has Marvin Jones, T. Y. Hilton, and Darnell Mooney is third. And Heath has T. Y. Hilton, Marnell, Mar, uh, Marvin Jones, and Darnell Mooney is third. So Dave, I'll let you talk about Darnell Mooney who you have as one of your favorite wide receivers to draft after round 10.
0: I like the way that he finished last year, 14 PPR points in his last three games. If you stretch that to four games, it's 13 PPR points. I think he's got some upside in in this Bears offense. And once Andy Dalton gets pushed to the side and it's Justin Fields, I think you could really see his big playability take off. I'm a big fan of Justin Fields' arm. I think he can connect deep. Mooney is the perfect guy to do that. This is a Bears offense that needs playmakers in a major way. And I, I think that Mooney can contribute, and I think he'll be asked to contribute as a key figure in this offense to the tune of six targets per week, which when you're when you're getting that at, at a late point in the draft, you're absolutely happy to have it. And here's the other good thing about Mooney, and I, I think we can say this about Marvin Jones and T.Y. Hilton too. You can draft them, and if by the end of week three it's just not happening, you can cut them and feel pretty good about oh, it. Oh, really? I think so. Yeah, well, I guess wait till week three. I don't, I don't we think dropped... you have to be that patient. <laughs> Certainly with Marvin Jones and T.Y. Hilton, I don't think you have to be that patient with them. <laughs> Mooney, maybe you'd want to be a little more patient with because he's in his second year. But like, if his first three games are three catches or two catches and 50 yards and Dalton is rolling and there's no sign of Justin Fields starting, or if Justin Fields is playing and he's not playing great, then I think it's an easy cut and you just move on from there.
2: Okay, Heath. Anything to add on Mooney?
1: No, I think Dave pretty well covered it.
2: Okay, Thanks. well, I have a lot to add. So, oh wow, <laughs> he would be. I think if he had a big year, and uh, you guys like, actually, why don't I ask you? Are you targeting players that you think have you know shockingly high upside that could be the steal of your draft, or are you targeting players who could just be nice number three wide receivers, bye week replacements, solid players? Or both, you know, what are we talking about? With We're in the
1: wide receiver 50 ish range here. Um, so I think that's important. Like when you say after round 10, I think people might think you're in the wide receiver four range or closer. Like if I was at wide receiver 40, that's where that 40 to 50 range is where you see a lot of guys come off that have that big smash upside, and that's why they're not there after round 10 because all the good wide receivers are gone and then all the upside wide receivers are gone and then you kind of get to these guys so it's a combination of both and it for me it really i lean more towards the upside for sure but it also goes back to roster construction if you could get to round 10 and you're looking for your number three wide receiver in that case you'd like a little bit more stability
0: okay i'm of the belief that i can find a wide receiver who's got a floor of 10 ppr points on waivers any week of the season so finding somebody that can give me 11 or 12 PPR points per week, that doesn't excite me. I've got to have somebody that can get me north of that. And I, I think that if I can find a receiver that can do that, I'll draft them here. Otherwise I'm looking for the upside.
2: All right. So two different approaches there. I would just say that I don't think Darnell Mooney is on a good enough offense to warrant an upside pick.
0: I don't know if we've seen the, this offense play, to its upside since Matt Nagy's arrived in Chicago.
1: I think you have to be really careful with especially the Bears and how good we project their offense to be because it's entirely dependent on whether Justin Fields is the franchise quarterback they thought they were drafting. Like he might, I think he's awesome. Mm -hmm. And if he comes in week four or something and takes over and all of a sudden he's just Justin Herbert, obviously in a different situation or a different type of player, but I mean, if he's but just really, really good, then a really good quarterback surrounded by Alan Robinson and Darnell Mooney and Cole commit and Dave Montgomery and Tariq Cohen probably is a very good offense.
2: So I guess I'm just taking a more conservative approach with rookie quarterbacks, maybe Lawrence, the exception, but I still don't expect so much from them. I still expect growing pains and, uh, Here's the point that I was trying to make. I looked at, you know, I always talk about sophomore wide receivers, and Mooney's a sophomore wide receiver, and that's an opportunity for a huge jump. But I looked over the last six seasons at the ones who kind of surprised us, not the ones who come up with 900 yards as rookies. Not the Metcalfs, not the McLaurins, not the Jeffersons. The Alan Hearns, Robbie Anderson, Chris Godwin, Kenny Galladay, um, that group, uh, uh, sorry, Michael Gallup, Cortland Sutton. I found nine of them if you want to include Deontay Johnson, he had a pretty bad rookie year, but he was not being drafted that way. I think he was being drafted in like the sixth round or something, Uh, maybe a little later. But I found nine of them in the last six seasons, guys who kind of had surprisingly very good second seasons. Six of the nine players led their team in targets and receiving. That's not going to happen with Mooney unless there's an injury. And the other three were on offenses that threw for at least 4,400 yards and at least 30 touchdowns. Um, and, and like, and the, so it happened with Chris Godwin. He was third on the team in targets or fourth or something. And that was the year they threw for 5,368 yards and 36 touchdowns. It happened with uh, Michael Gallup. He was second on the team in targets and receiving 4,900 yards, 30 touchdowns for, for the Cowboys that year. So that's my point. It's like either you have to be the number one guy on your team, like uh, like Kenny Galladay and Robbie Anderson and Tyrell Williams came out of no, that was the year Keenan Allen got hurt. Tyrell Williams was a surprise year two guy, or you have to be the second best option or close to that on a really good passing offense. And I just don't think Darnell Mooney is either of those. Well, he's the second option, but he's not on a really good passing offense. So
1: just some numbers. Yeah, I just don't think I don't think we know that yet.
2: Uh, we don't you're right um okay let's get uh some more names heath you've got rashad bateman and micole hardman so really i mean that is um rashad bateman and micole i'll i'll spare you Miko hardman um who do you like better
1: <laughs> um, I, I go back and forth, but right now I think I'd probably lean towards Hardman with the, uh, eh, I'm going to go Bateman. I've, good for I've you. got them just, I have flipped them back and forth and back and forth. I, I, they both might be the number two or number three option at best, uh, number three option at best, probably. But when I heard you talking about the wide receivers that were drafted after round 10 last year that were good. Or all of them, and only three of them were good. They were all rookies. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it makes me want to just have all the rookies be my favorite wide receivers to draft after
0: round ten.
2: Okay, but don't drop them. <laughs>
1: well, that's the problem. Yeah,
2: that's you're probably going to
1: right. Yeah,
0: you're, going you're gonna have, have to make a going. bigger commitment to Bateman.
1: Right. Um,
0: or not? Well, I do deal with the consequences.
1: I do think Baltimore's intends on throwing the ball more this year than they ever have. I, whether that will come to fruition or not, will probably be determined on how accurate Lamar Jackson is and how good Bateman is at getting open. But I think there's a path to where Bateman could be the 1A or 1B to Mark Andrews 1A and Marquise Brown gets turned into just a deep threat only. And if that happens and they also bump up the pass attempts like they're intending on, you could see 110 target season from Bateman. And Jackson's a really efficient passer because their run game is so good. So he could have one of those seasons where he is wildly efficient, scores a bunch of touchdowns, and it's really surprises some people. Hardman's obvious. He gets to play with Patrick Mahomes. Sammy Watkins is gone. We've been saying it for three years. Maybe this will be the year. Um, but I think what Sigmund Bloom said on Twitter the other day was good. It's like, the Honey Badger's saying nice things about him. That can't be bad. So, well,
2: like, I'll tell you what. I, if, I just... if Hardman has a good good year, I think... I probably sh- I probably shouldn't take Kelsey fourth overall. <laughs>
0: right? I don't know that that's true. I
2: agree. You don't think so? You think that... Well, go on. I-,
0: I, think, I think in the case of both of these receivers, one of the things that would help them get to great status in fantasy is if a receiver gets hurt along the way. And it's obvious in Kansas City, who would have to get hurt for Hardman to step up. That would be Tyreek. If that were to happen, then yeah, I think Hardman would have a shot to be... Um, to finish as a top 24 receiver, let's call it that. I, I don't think there's as much of a chance for him to do it as long as Kelsey and Tyreek are there versus what Heath was saying in Baltimore, which is, and I'm a big Marquise Brown guy. I like Marquise Brown. I think he can continue to pick up where he left off last year. But if his role dwindles, it could be because Bateman is playing such a big role as the perimeter receiver in one-on-one situations down the sideline where the Ravens are trying really hard to spread that pass game and force defenses to spread out their personnel. Because if they can spread out that personnel, their run game will be that much more effective. And there's going to be four to six games this year where the Ravens are going to have to throw. And they, they need to be ready for that. And Bateman could be part of the reason why they succeed in those four to six games and could build on that as the season rolls on to being a significant component in their passing game.
1: I'll, I'll just say, like, the Chiefs threw 176 passes last year to Hardman, Demarcus Robinson, and Sammy Watkins combined last year. He just needs to separate from Demarcus Robinson, which, if he's going to ever be good, that shouldn't be that big of an ask. Mm-hmm. Um, he just needs to earn the sh- the targets that went to Watkins and the targets that went to him. He gets 117 targets. I think he's probably going to be really good. Keith, are you feeling
0: the love for Byron Pringle? Because his a name little, isn't going a away. A little bit,
1: I, yeah. I always like it when there's that guy that doesn't get all the hype but ends up outworking everybody else and, and getting the targets. But I think it's a little bit silly, um, the hype that he's – he's getting a little more hype than maybe he should. Okay.
2: I do want to tell you real quickly about what's coming up on CBS Sports HQ this week, and then we'll get to the other two names on Dave's list, although we did talk about one of them who was born in 1800, John Brown.
0: Yeah, he's already off my list, Adam. Oh, he's off your list, okay. Off the list. We're going to replace him.
2: Okay, good, good. Uh, So, basically, CBS Sports HQ, this is where you need to be to stay up to date on sports and to just get really consistent old-school sports coverage with fantasy coverage, with gambling Um, you're going to really, really love it. And you can watch it on your Roku, your Apple TV, your Fire TV, any most connected TVs. Just look for the CBS Sports app and check out HQ. It's the only 24-7 free sports streaming network. Start your day at 8 a.m. Eastern with Morning Buzz. That's an hour of highlights, news, and all the days need to know. And then... Leave just leave HQ out all day and just you know peek in during your breaks or whatever. But certainly at 6 p.m., come on back as we break down all the night's action and release dozens of picks from the best analysts and cappers in the sports world. So that's HQ on the CBS Sports app. All right, Dave, who are we replacing John Brown with?
0: I, I am picking two receivers who I think fit in the profile of draft them for the early part of the season, and if they disappoint you. You can get rid of him and not look back. It's Devontae Parker in Miami and it's Jalen Rager in Philadelphia. With Parker, we know that Will Fuller is suspended for week one. We know that Jalen Waddle is a rookie. So, the first game, we don't know what that connection will be like with Tua. Tua is going to have to throw the ball a lot. I think Devontae Parker is going to be a great play in DFS. And I think Devontae Parker will see probably a higher than normal amount of targets compared to what he does for the rest of the season. He can help you get off to a fast start. And maybe he builds off that and he has a good September. And and he's somebody that can just be a useful, early season fantasy wide receiver. And Rager's completely dependent on Jalen Hurts and just how many targets he ends up getting. I think it's I think it's safe to say that Smith and Goddard will will have more targets than Rager over the balance of the season, but we don't know how that offense is truly going to operate. We do know that Nick Sirianni does like to lean in the direction of his receivers. He's a former receiver and a former receivers coach. And I think that Rager does have some big play upside and Hertz does have an arm that can reach the deep parts of the field. And I, I, I just think that Rager has some of that, Uh, You know, maybe it's just like John Brown where it's boom bust flex potential, but I think he can be a little bit more than that if given the opportunity. It's a matter of him getting the opportunity and a matter of Hertz showing that he's improved as a passer from year one to year two. And if we see those things in the first few weeks of the season, then you'll be thrilled that you have Rager on your team.
2: Well, but same argument with Rager as I made with Mooney. We know Mooney's not going to overtake Allen Robinson. Right. But, but do you an, think for me, do you it's think an if that, argument, right? right? It's all, all about Rager if the quarterback can, plays better. I understand that. But do you think Rager can? Because he's not like Jalen, uh, Jalen Hurts could play better. It doesn't mean he's going to throw for 4,300 yards or per 16 games or whatever. He, he's not going to be that kind of a passer. But do you think that not. Rager could actually be the number one? I mean, ahead of Devontae Smith. The
0: path for that happening would be Smith not adjusting to the to the pro game which you would say that's silly he's a heisman winner he was amazing at alabama well jerry judy was an accomplished receiver coming out of alabama last year with an inaccurate quarterback and he ended up being pretty bad and there were other receivers in denver who ended up being pretty good so maybe that could be what rager is and for the dart throw of a late round pick i don't see the problem with with having rager on your squad
2: Problem with Parker? And I do you tell think Hurts
1: you know, could be a four thousand yard passer in sixteen games for sure.
2: I said like, what did I say though? Forty. you said four
1: thousand three hundred. Yeah, four thousand is possible. um If you divide the like his yeah, it's like yards by the three and a half, he played three and a half games as a starter. It was a forty-two hundred yard pace
0: as yeah, a rookie. I,
2: I, know. I know. All right. I don't. I don't really believe it, but I,
0: I know it's true. <laughs> But I don't really. I just Look, his receiving core is getting better. The offensive line will be a lot. I mean, better. look, he's
2: not going to rush for a thousand yards and throw for forty three hundred. If he does, he should be the number one quarterback in fantasy. He's not going to do what he did in those games, you know. Right? If he throws for forty three hundred yards, I
1: just—it's just like and 1, this is just another example of like we use the last four games or last five games or last six games of all kinds of different players. And if that's someone we we really believe in, then we'll say, "Look what they did last year. If they could do that, they would be this." And then when somebody does something no. and we don't really want to draft them, it's like, "Well, they can't do that again."
2: Hey, no, look, I have one real team. We've done a lot of mock drafts. I have one real team, and Jalen Hurts is my starting quarterback, so he doesn't need to do that in order to be worth taking as you know, the eighth quarterback off the board or somewhere around there.
1: But I don't he's, think he's going to run for. I think, like, I think the thing. That would be more better to doubt would be the thousand yards rushing than Agreed. the forty two hundred yards passing. I haven't I projected agree. for exactly forty two hundred yards. Wow! Um, yeah. And seven hundred and twenty eight yards rushing.
2: Okay, uh, Parker starts his season with the Patriots and the Bills. So, you know, at New England in Week One without Will Fuller, and then Buffalo the next week. That's not you know that's kind of a strike against him, Dave.
0: I believe he's had a great game against Stefan Gilmore and the Patriots before he Might absolutely not have been last, has.
2: Year. Uh, last year. weeks one and two were against the Patriots and the bills. Yeah. And he had a uh, hundred yards and a touchdown combined in the two games on nine catches.
0: No, his second game last year was good, but that was against the bills. I believe. Yeah. I but- really thought when Dave
1: took John Brown off the list to add someone more exciting, he was going to strike a pin through Devonte Parker at this with the same stroke, And just give us two young, exciting players.
2: Uh, Parker crushed Buffalo in week 17. I remember Buffalo played like a half of that game. I don't remember the specifics of Parker's. He had 14 targets, he had 116 yards. But Buffalo was kind of half playing. They sat Josh Allen in the second half. But if you're going to say, hey, he lit up Buffalo. He has actually been great against tough teams. He really has. Uh, But I don't know. New England and Buffalo in weeks one and two. Fuller's back in week two. You make the call at home, folks. You figure it out. Um, I did want to talk about Michael Gallup because he's a round 10 pick. Heath on yesterday's show. I think it was, no, it was uh, Monday's show. You said, hey, if CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper are going early in round four, I might just wait and take Michael Gallup in round 10. Uh, go expand on that.
1: They are talking about moving Michael Gallup around the field a little bit more. I think you can pretty much guarantee he's going to get at at very most, the third most attention in this offense, maybe the fourth most attention. He has big play potential every given week. He could very well be, like, I don't really see a a huge amount of difference between him and Marvin Jones. In fact, I I kind of wish I had Michael Gallup ranked higher than Marvin Jones.
0: Yeah, I don't feel the same way. I think Lambs is a real deal. I think Cooper's got good rapport with, with Dak and you know, you just look at those first four games. I remember after week two of last year, everybody was bellyaching over Michael Gallup not being good while the other receivers were. And then in week three, he was a monster. He was amazing. And then in week four, he went back to being kind of a dud. And he didn't have a great year overall. I don't think we can really judge him on the final 11 and one quarter games of his season. But I, I just, I feel like he's going to be third fiddle in the passing game, which means some weeks he's going to be Really, really good, twenty-five PPR points. But most weeks he'll be at ten or fewer PPR points. He'll be frustrating.
2: He actually was a it, lot oh, yeah, better yeah. than Lamb with Dalton. Uh, the last like the last seven games of the year when Dalton came back from the injury, he Gallup had uh, an eighty more yards and no, he was on pace for eighty more yards, and he was on pace for sixteen more targets than Lamb. So he was better. And
1: it kind of goes back, probably a little bit, to the same argument I've made for Juju and for DJ Moore at, at times. It's that, I mean, he had 1,100 yards in 14 games as a 23 year old. I don't think he sucks. No. Most guys that do that are, go- are good. And I think there's a possibility the number three option in Dallas is more productive than the number two option in Jacksonville.
2: Okay, sure. Let's read emails. Let's read emails. Here we go fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. We have a mailbag coming up later this week, by the way, with your Apple Podcast questions. Brian in Toledo says, Hey, Bruce, Kareem, Deontay, and Logan.
0: I want to say that those are Toledo alum.
2: Oh, maybe. I'm starting a new league this year. I want to know the best way to set up FAB. Should it be continuous without running on Tuesday? Should it not be continuous? What, what is the best way to set up FAB.
1: I think we'll have different answers on this. Um, I prefer to have it run every Wednesday and then have free agency after that.
0: I don't have a problem with that.
1: Players lock for the week once their game starts.
0: I was in a league last year where there was one run of fab on Wednesday and that was it. That was the only time you could make moves. And man, was that a nightmare with with COVID Uh, and players getting ruled out over the weekend. So I, I, I'm a fan of that. I think you, you put in your bids, and then once the bids are done, everybody's a free agent. Go get them. Uh
2: as long as Fab is turned off Sunday morning, then I'm cool with whatever you want to do. I'm
1: trying to remember.
2: But yeah, go on.
1: I, I think like it even like the the Sunday morning thing. What if something happens Thursday afternoon? Yeah, you could do Thursday too. And then, what if something happens Monday afternoon?
2: Nah, eh, I'm
1: I'm over it at that point.
2: <laughs> uh, I'm trying to remember there was a there was a point late in the season where a running back got got hurt or got put on the COVID list or something, and I picked up this one scrub in like all as many leagues as I could. Gosh, I can't remember who it was. I'm looking because I know I picked him up in the IDP league, so. Um, I'll try to figure it out and uh, th- what I'm saying is if you turn fab off after free agency you still run the risk of there was an injury during practice on Friday and this guy's going to be out and then whoever's at their computer or on their phone at the time has the free reign to just go pick up the player I, that could be a little frustrating you know if you're not around
0: but that can also happen on a Sunday morning was it Ty Johnson Um, I
2: honestly have no idea, man. I have no idea who it was. Yeah, I'll try to figure it out because I remember in every league he was a major talking point for the weekend. He was like a bonus pod caliber talking point. Where was like it wasn't goal? No, it wasn't Gallman. But it was really late in the year. Was it Daryl Williams? I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I just. I think it may have been Daryl Williams. Could no. have been Tony Pollard? No, I would he remember that. He was probably that. rostered.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, I wish I remembered. Andre Washington? He had like 15 carries. DeAndre for the Washington, Washington might have been it. Maybe. After.
2: I feel like it was Daryl Williams. Nah, why would it be Daryl Williams? All right. Well, anyway, next email. Sorry, folks. Trip down memory lane. Um, what this a trip it was. From Jack in Dutch country, Pennsylvania. I'm in the second year of a Superflex keeper, uh, keeper League. <laughs> keeper Lane. We can keep three. My obvious choices are Ridley in the fifth and Herbert in the 15th. It's a Superflex, nice. yeah. So I'm trying to decide, do I keep Dak in the second, Ryan Fitzpatrick in the 12th, or an undrafted Logan
0: Thomas? I'm going Dak. Where is that pick in the second round? If it's like the first pick in round two... Do you think you might be able to get a better quarterback than Dak?
2: No, not with keepers. All right, then Dak. Right? Because Dak's a first-round pick in a lot of super flex leagues anyway. So I would say no. All right. Uh, From Casey from Nashville, who is better than Emily at fantasy football. I like that. I like that smack Damn. I
0: heard that Emily was way better.
2: (laughs) Uh, Subject line was, keep Daniel Jones. And the question has absolutely nothing to do with (laughs) Daniel Jones. (laughs) Please help me with this conundrum. Don't worry. It's not actually about Daniel Jones. 10-team, non-PPR, four-point per passing touchdown. Keep two in that round forever. Forever. I pick ninth. Dalvin Cook in round one. Remember, this is non-PPR and four-point per passing touchdown. Dalvin Cook in round one. Devontae Adams in round two. Kelsey in the third. Eckler in the 6th, Kyler in the 8th, and Aaron Jones in the 11th. Keep two Mm. forever.
1: I bet Emily would be able to make this decision without even asking us. (laughs) Uh, I think it's Eckler and it's Aaron Jones, and it's pretty easy.
0: I think Aaron Jones is the easy one. Kind of like Kelsey over Eckler.
2: In non-PPR? In three three rounds difference? Yeah. Wait, why especially in non PPR? Because mean, I don't, don't
0: think Eckler is nearly as valuable in non PPR as he is in half or full PPR. I mean, I guess that's whereas sure Kelsey, you're still getting the elite caliber tight end, and you're getting him in round three.
2: Yeah, but that's that's like no later than thirtieth overall. Oh, it's tw- it's twenty ninth. is the ninth pick, right? Hmm. Yeah. I- I'm with team. I'm um, team Heath, but. The subject line or the greeting was Peter, Michael, Jack, and Mary. Hey, Peter, Michael, Jack, and Mary. Remember that one? Three men and a little lady?
1: Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Was that the one that had the ghost in the window? I think that was ghost.
2: No. I don't know. I don't remember. You no, know, it might have been, been
1: three
0: men and a baby. Yeah. I didn't see
1: three men and a baby.
2: Okay. This is from Rob in a small town. You didn't see
0: Three Men and a Baby, but you saw Three Men and a Little Lady? You know
2: my friend is the little lady in Three Men and a Little Lady.
0: Why wouldn't you see the first movie in the series? Because she wasn't in it. I don't care. Wait, what do you mean? I thought the baby
1: turned into the little girl. Different actress. Different actress. What do you (laughs) mean? Fraud. Uh, Hollywood
0: lies sometimes, Heath.
2: Okay, Rob wants to know, who would you rather have, Noah Fant Or Herb Smith and LaVisca
0: Chenault. These are all I feel like these are all lottery tickets. I'd rather have two lottery tickets than one.
1: I think that is like I would probably take Herb Smith and LaVisca Chenault as well. I think it's unfair to call Noah Fant a lottery ticket. Yeah, what has he done to even warrant that?
0: (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs)
1: The second year tight end that was basically had was some bad touchdown luck away from what T.J. Hawkinson did last year. Hey, if you put him
2: in Detroit, I'd take him uh, fourth as my tight end four.
1: Yeah,
0: I uh, would.
2: I would. Yeah. Well, well, don't you already have Hawkinson as your tight end four, Dave? Yes. So if Fant got traded to Detroit and for Hawkinson, you wouldn't make Fant tight end
0: four. Uh, I think I think Fant's better than better Hawkinson. He's more athletic. He's the, the better athletic talent than right Hockinson. as a receiver. Yeah,
2: I, I feel like just, every. I feel like everybody feels like Fant's a better receiver than Hawkinson. Is that isn't that the kind of common thought?
0: Sure, but we haven't really seen it in terms of fantasy production. Well, last year he's based... he had two good games early on last year, and then he averaged seven and a half PPR points per game in his main, remaining thirteen. And he needs more work in the red zone. He needs more touchdowns. It's a crowded offense with a very sus quarterback situation. Sus.
1: Uh, it's, it's, everything except for the crowded quarterback situation could be said about, or everything except for the crowded receiving core could be say, said about TJ Hawkinson.
0: Exactly, and it's a big deal. No, he's got a quarterback that can throw an accurate five-yard pass to the tight end. So so does Noah I don't know. His
1: name is Teddy. Oh, that's true. Teddy he can, can throw, throw a five-yard him. accurate pass all day long.
2: Uh, Joe from a small town north of Boston. Augusta, Maine. Dear Tyler, Jamar, T, and Auden. Bengals. I need one keeper in a 10-team half PPR league where we lose the round of the keeper. A.J. Brown in the fifth, Cam Akers in the sixth, or Antonio Gibson in the seventh? Can only keep for a year.
0: Akers. So I'm drafting first.
2: Yeah. All right. Acres it is. Good show, dudes. Yeah. Hooray. I, uh is Shagger, are you there? Oh, yeah, I know. Here. Never mind. I know what the topic is tomorrow. It's top five do not draft list players, right? Yeah, and I'm going to look at what last year's episode was and see if oh, we got God. any of these actually right. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs>
1: are you going to do that right now?
2: After the show.
1: Oh, all uh, right. I was just thinking, like, I could probably name some of mine, and they were probably awful. Who? Um, well, I would say one of them might have been Lamar Jackson because you had to draft him in the first round. Yeah. Yeah, you were so definitely... That, 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 that was worked out one. okay. Yeah. I I have a fear that I may have said Jonathan Taylor. I probably um, did, too. I may have said Quiet Edwards-Alaire, which I wouldn't feel too bad about. No, that's a good one. Um,
2: I may have said Derrick Henry. I, I probably didn't say much that show, but I probably would have said Derrick Henry.
0: I found my article from last year, my Don't Want to Draft article. The first name on it was Josh Allen. <laughs> Did not work out, as everybody knows.
2: Yeah, that was quite. It was a big surprise. Yeah. All right, looking forward to humiliating, humiliating ourselves tomorrow. Dave, you're on that one, right? I think, I don't know. Yeah, I know Schneier's on it. Dan Schneier's coming back to give his... Five players uh, that he does not want to draft and we'll have a mailbag. Oh Heath. Sorry Heath.
1: Get out of here Dave.
2: (laughs) Later everybody. Thanks a lot for listening to fantasy football today. We'll talk to you. We'll talk to you tomorrow. See ya.